Good morning. It's good to see you here. I must confess, I'm kind of glad Dr. Hadfield isn't here. Because if he was here, I wouldn't be. So thank you for coming, and thank you, uh, Dr. Hatfield and Marcy and those of uh, them that went to the Holy Land. I, I've seen a few of those pictures. You probably have. It's a beautiful place, and uh, it, it's a great place to go. I hope that maybe you can experience that at some time in your life. As Brad said, uh, I am with the Denton Baptist Association, and your church has been a key component and a part of our association for years. Staff here have served with us. Brad has helped us on our leadership training team, and uh, Wayne Cotton has helped on our finance team, and Dr. Hatfield, in fact, has most recently been our moderator. Your church has been involved, and you are helping us to reach the at least 400,000 people that live in our county who have no connection with Christ. You know that the current population of our county is somewhere around 740 to 50,000, and it continues to grow. It's projected by 2030 that we will have crossed the 1 million mark in population. We'll grow by an additional 250,000 people. I'm not telling you anything you, you don't know. I'm just reminding you of the realities And so as a result of that, Denton Baptist Association partners with you and other churches to reach people. So I'm very glad that you've allowed me to come and be a part of this service. And as has been previously stated in, in your Advent study, you've been looking at God pursuing you, pursuing us. And I want to continue with that theme. And as we do that, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. As we look at this passage, it's a story in which Jesus gets in a boat, crosses the lake, and goes to a Gentile area called the Gerizines. You remember the Gentiles. They were the ones who Jews said, we do not want to have anything to do with you. But what we find here is that Jesus and his closest followers get in the boat, they go across the lake, and literally Jesus steps out onto the shore and he encounters someone who's described as a demoniac. Not only is he described as a demoniac, but when asked what his name is, The response is legion, which refers to a Roman grouping of as many as 6,000 people. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 8, and I'll begin reading at verse 26. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. I apologize. I don't know what version you guys are using, so I'm going to read the version that you're showing on the screen. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerizines, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried. 
out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you to not torment me. Now think about that for a second. The demons are saying, don't torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. The people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man for whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerizines asked him to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man for whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. As I look in this text, I see two examples of what I want to call stepping out in faith to share the gospel. The obvious first one is the fact that Jesus gets in the boat with the disciples and goes to a place that Jewish people would not normally go. That's the obvious thing. He goes to the Gentiles. He goes to this group of people called the Gerizines. And then who does he immediately encounter? A guy who had been totally rejected by his community. Did you notice in the text it says that he lives in the tombs and in the caves? That's short for the graveyard. That's where they buried people. And so here this guy lives full time in the graveyard. The text also tells us that he has no clothes on. That the demon drives him to do crazy things. Jesus, though, we know is one who pursues all people. And so Jesus pursues him and literally casts the demon out. And the demon knows he's got to go, but makes a request. Can we go in that herd of pigs? 
Jesus allows them to do that, and you see from the text that the pigs run off the cliff. You would expect the people to be excited about the fact that here was a guy who had been a tremendous tormentor of them, but now he's in his right mind. You would expect them to be excited about that, but no. In fact, they asked Jesus to leave. And it's interesting, as I've looked at this text the past several weeks, that they ask Jesus to leave. And in my mind, I've had this question on a regular basis. I always want Jesus to show up. I always wish Jesus would show up. And my thought is, if Jesus shows up, then life is going to be great. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is rejected here But what does he do? He leaves a missionary. He leaves a guy who's been transformed, who's been changed to talk about what has happened. And to me, that's the second example here of stepping out in faith, sharing the gospel. Is here is a man who's transformed, who's changed, who as people see him literally every day, they can see there's a difference in his life. And so I I want to basically break down this statement of stepping out in faith to share the gospel in two, in in three ways. And I'm going to begin by asking my daughter Jeffrey to come up. Jeffrey is our oldest daughter. She's also your associate student minister. But most importantly, she's the mother to two of what are now three of our grandkids. Oh, did I mention I've got a third grandchild that came on Friday? Her name is Adelaide Morgan Malone. She's a cute little one. And Jeffrey has uh, two of the three, Callan and Darcy. So, Jeffrey, I I want you to share with us what kind of feelings you've had about sharing your faith. And then secondly, what adjustments have you made in your life to step out and share your faith? So first of all, when we're talking about going out and sharing the gospel, that's involved with East-West Ministries. And I've done a lot of evangelism trainings over the years. When I was growing up uh, in Bonham, my daddy was a pastor. And when I was growing up, we did a faith evangelism training. And so we learned how to share the gospel using an acrostic and went out. Many of you are nodding your head, so I assume maybe you know what this is. But we went out and shared the gospel using this faith acrostic Um, I've also learned the Roman road and learned how to share the gospel through that. And so when we were talking about another evangelism training, I was like, okay, kind of been there, done that. But, you know, it was something that was encouraged of our staff to do. And then also BJ is my husband and the student minister here. And he did this evangelism training in the early spring of 2018. And he it totally changed how he saw the gospel. I, I saw in him a desire and a passion to share the gospel that I've never seen in him before. So much that it, it changed the way that he wanted to share with our students. It changed the way that he saw the direction of our student ministry going. And so I wanted to be a part of that. And when the opportunity came up in the summer and we were encouraged to do that, 
I, I wanted to do to go to see what it was that was so great about this training and going out and sharing the gospel. And so we learned the three circles. We learned how to share our testimony in 15 seconds. We learned how to care for people through prayer. And then we went out into the community, into the mile radius surrounding our church and started doing that, caring for people through prayer, sharing the gospel. And I was so nervous, like had huge butterflies in my stomach, so nervous about going. And they kept telling us, you're not going to have to say anything. The trainers will say whatever they need to say. Um, and you just get kind of get to watch and participate. And so the first time I did that and, you know, honestly, like as we were going, I was like, okay, I can do this. I got this. I can, I can do this. And then, um, in December as a staff, we realized that it's really important for us to be out sharing the gospel. We're asking you as a church to be going to do that. And if we're going to be asking you to do that, then it's really important for us to to go out into the community and to share as well. And so the first day that we were going to do this, I was so, again, just so nervous. Like, I don't think I can do this. I can't, you know, what if I mess something up? What if I don't say the right things? What if they slam the door in my face? I was so nervous about what was going to go on. And we went out um, again in groups of three and knocked on doors at an apartment complex. And, and as we got to share, you could just, I'll tell a little bit more about this in a minute, but we could just see God working because God is pursuing people. And as we join him, he is pursuing them through us and through our conversations. And so through having accountability, the simplicity of the message, um, getting reps in by going and sharing the gospel, because that's kind of what it seems like when I go and knock on doors, it's, it's as though I'm shooting free throws and trying to practice that, or I'm, I'm working out in the weight room. I'm trying to get reps in because as I'm going out and knocking on doors, then it gives me more confidence to do that in my everyday life, to talk to the lady in the drive-thru, to talk to um, somebody that I meet in the store and to have the opportunity to look for ways to share to pray for them, to care for them through prayer, to share the gospel. And so the more I go out, the less nervous I am, the more confident I am in sharing the good news about Jesus. Good. Thank you. Now you have to understand, I have four children, okay? Jeffrey is the most vocal and the most outgoing of the four, okay? So for her to say she's nervous about going... I would say would be unusual, but yet I understand that, that same feeling. And what I understand too, a, after, uh, reading a book, uh, entitled Breaking the Huddle, written by three different guys who talk about sharing your faith, they suggest there are at least three things that tend to hinder us from doing that. One is the fact that we say, I'm too busy. Are you busy? I'm busy. I've got a lot of stuff going on. And, and so as a result of that, we get so busy that sharing or talking to someone about Christ moves down the list because we've got so many other things we ought to be doing. But yet we need to understand that sharing the gospel is a huge priority. And I know for this church, for this year, that's going to be a huge priority. And 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 so I I want us to understand it's important that we ought to be sharing the gospel. A second reason we may not be willing to share is that we think, well, if, if I do that, I'll be tempted to act like non-Christians. I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, and I don't want to be tempted to do things I shouldn't be doing. But yet the reality is, is that we are called to share. We are, are called to 
care for others. We, we many times listen to that part of the passage where Jesus said that we were to not be a part of the world, but we forget about that other part where Jesus says that we are to be sent out into the world. And so we need to be hanging out with folks who are far from God. Finally, the writers of Breaking the Huddle suggest it's just hard to be around people that are so different than us. You know, when you and I accept Christ, we tend to hang out with people who are like us. It's more comfortable, it's more fun, it's more enjoyable. But the reality is, if we are going to be obedient to the text, obedient to what Jesus does here, that we are called to step out. And how are we to step out? We are to do it in faith. This morning, I've also asked Stephanie Gates. Stephanie is our BSM director for UNT, and she has been working with students now for close to 15 years. Stephanie comes from a lot of experience in the area of teaching and working with students. One of the things that Stephanie probably will tell you is that 95% of the students that are at UNT or on a typical college campus are not plugged into a church anywhere. And so she's been confronted with the reality of how do we share the gospel with a group of students who aren't plugged into a church? And to be honest, they may be a little bit antagonistic about the church. So Stephanie, I I want you to share with us how has your lack of faith hindered you in sharing and how has God affirmed that he's with you as you share? As Morgan said, I've been doing student work at UNT. This is my 13th year. And how does my lack of faith hinder me? It hinders me every day. I am not what I would call a gifted evangelist. I am not someone who's extremely outgoing. I'm more introverted. I'm one of those. My personality is going to avoid conflict. I'm going to avoid anything that might be uncomfortable. But in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we as Christians are ambassadors of reconciliation. And what that means is God has said, Steph, you are my representative to take the gospel, to be a reconciler at UNT. And so because of that, I don't get to default to my natural personality that just says, you you know what? I'd rather just sit with one-on-one conversations. And so from that, when I first got to UNT almost 13 years ago, one of the things I was most looking forward to was getting to do ministry to student athletes. I grew up an athlete, loved sports, and just thought, hey, this is an opportunity for me to kind of dive back into this previous life that I had. And when I got there, I realized really quickly the athlete world in Division One sports is very dark It's very lost, and it's very, very hard to even interact with them. After years and years and years of trying to get engaged within that population of students, every door closed. And so after about five years, I just said, okay, fine, I quit. There are all these other students. We have over 38,000 students. I'm going to focus on them. And in those moments, I could tell that that was me being disobedient. As a missionary to UNT, I don't get to dismiss any population that we have on that campus. And yet, what did I do? This is too hard. Obviously, I'm going to let someone else do that. About three and a half, almost four years ago, we got a new women's basketball coach. Her name is Jaylee Mitchell. Jaylee is a Christian, and through a mutual friend, we got connected. He sent me her phone number and said, text her. And even in that moment, it took me like a month and a half because I was like, she's not going to want to hear from me. I don't know if I should do that, but finally I did. And in that moment, and me saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust this with you. You have placed this people group on our campus, on my heart for a reason. And I need to say, okay, I trust you. And so I texted her and through that we reached, I got to take her to lunch. We started to build a friendship. And in those moments, I got to see God show up. And in that moment, he reminded me in your fear, 
and your insecurity. And in these moments, it may have taken nine years, but I placed that call on your life. Now just watch and partner with me. Be obedient to what I've called you to and just see what happens. Thank you, Stephanie. So what we're talking about is we're talking about stepping out in faith to share the gospel. Both of these young ladies have been involved in that. Both of them are actively doing that. In sharing the gospel, though, how have each of you seen God show up and how has God transformed your life as a result of that? So one of the first things that comes to mind is our first time to go out, we met a guy named Isaac. And um, before that, we had gone and knocked on a door and met this woman and we were praying with her and she said, I'm sick, my family's sick, would you pray for me and my family? And so we prayed for her, we prayed for her family and then we moved on to the next, you know, to the next door and met somebody else. Um, and then a few doors later, we met Isaac. And Isaac um, was working at the apartment complex and actually had lunch break. So he had an opportunity to talk to us. And we're getting to share with him and BJ and Kyle, the trainer that's with us. And we're getting to talk with him about, you know, what are some things? How can we pray for you? Here's our testimony. Here's the three circles. And so Kyle and BJ explained the three circles to this guy. And as he's listening to it, he just says, wow, like that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I know that, man, when I look at this, I'm in brokenness and I have used religion to try and get out of brokenness, but that's where I, I am still. I'm just still in brokenness. And he wasn't ready at that point to make a decision for Christ, but he was willing to here and even was willing for us to come back. And so the next week we got to go back and we saw him again. And we actually went and knocked on every single door, um, that we had already been to. And as we went back to see Isaac, we got to take him some things from the Tom's ministry because he had just had a little baby girl and we got to take him that we took him a Bible. He'd never had a Bible before. Um, not one that was his personally, and he and, and BJ and Kyle are going to continue to meet together. And so I'm praying, and I hope you will join us in praying that, that he will come to Christ and that it will change his family as well. But, but a life that's been transformed is my own. Um, as we've gone out, I, like I said, I had been so nervous to go and to share. Um, but what I realized in having done evangelism trainings in the past, it was kind of a shotgun approach. Like we're going to go to as many houses as we can. We're going to try and hit, if you will, as many people as we possibly can and share the gospel as much as we can. But then that was it. We didn't go back and it wasn't something that was sustainable to me. It wasn't something that I was going to continue to do. It was just a one and done kind of deal. And with this, with us going out every week and going back to the same house and seeing Isaac again and seeing some of these other people again, what it's helped me to realize is that this is about a lifestyle change. It is about an opportunity to see these men and women as friends and as people that God is pursuing and people that I need to be looking to share the gospel with, not just so that I can share, but so that I can share and cultivate a relationship that hopefully leads to a transformed life for them. And and getting to be the church to Isaac, taking him and his family diapers and taking them a little advent box, things that we're doing in our church, that's been so powerful and impactful to me. And that's the kind of church that I want to be, a caring and loving church that, that truly cares about people. Amen. Amen. 
here's how I've seen God show up specifically with the basketball team. So over the last three and a half years, I've been able to do leadership training with both the players and the coaches, and that provided an opportunity for me to start to build trust with them. From there, I got to lead player Bible studies. I lead a coach's Bible study. I get to play the role of uh, support staff, specifically over player care. So anytime someone, a player's life blows up, they have surgery and injury, I'm the one that the coaches look to to say, can you enter into that space and minister to this, this player and their family? I also get to travel with the team. I lead this coach's Bible study where eight coaches come and we sit in the head coach's women's basketball office and literally we're just diving into the gospel together. If you would have told Stephanie even four or five years ago that this would be happening, I would have said there's no way. And so God has shown up and he has literally provided an opportunity for great things to happen just through the teaching of his word. And a life that's been transformed is Tosin. When I first came, Tosin was a junior. She ended up getting hurt. And so her senior year, she had to sit out. And we started meeting and hanging out just because that was a hard season for her to go through. She ended up, um, she has a unique background. Her parents are from Nigeria. Dad's Muslim and her mom is a Christian. But faith was really not a part of her life. And then uh, a couple years ago, she had a car accident. And in that moment, it was almost like God kind of woke her up to say, what is it? that my life is for. If I had died, what would that mean? So she went and talked with our head coach and she sent her to talk to me. So in my office, Tosin is saying, I want to talk to you about getting baptized. And I said, okay, why? And she said, well, because that will save me. And I said, Tosin, that's not it. And so I got to share the gospel and explain what salvation means and what baptism means. And in that moment, I drew out the gospel and, and I said, so do you believe this? She said, you know, I've never heard it like this. I don't know. And so we spent the next year walking through Bible study. She joined our players Bible study. And then a year later, she said, Steph, I trust this. I believe this. And then I got the opportunity to baptize her. Now, Tosin is one of our grad assistants, and she's one of the main people that is helping me do the ministry to the rest of the, of the team. And so I've been able to watch how God showed up and moved within her life and is now starting to impact the rest of the team. So what you've heard today is how God has led two young ladies to step out in faith, as well as other staff here at at this church. We've read in God's word about the fact that Jesus encounters a man who's a demoniac and literally his life is transformed. You see, that's what God does in our lives, isn't it? When you came to know Christ, God changed you and he is in process of continuing to change you. And the challenge I have for you is that you would be willing to step out in faith as we look at 2019, I want you to seriously think about that. I want you to seriously consider moving it up higher on the priority list, building a relationship, getting to know someone. Maybe it's with somebody in your peer group. Maybe it's someone that you have a chance encounter. Maybe it's going out with the church and doing this. But I want to challenge you to do that. Secondly, Maybe you've never experienced the transforming power of Christ in your life. And so this morning, you'll want to come in just a moment and experience Christ and let him begin that process of changing your heart. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you to bow your heads once you've stood. And I'm going to ask our appropriate staff to come down front if they will. Our musicians will come up. But let's pray together. God, I thank you for the fact that you want and desire to change us 
And God, I pray for those that would be here this morning, God, that would need to come and experience that same transformational power that the demoniac experienced, that those of us who know Christ have experienced. May they be willing to come this morning and and just ask those questions. And secondly, God, I pray for those that are here that know they need to make a new commitment to reaching out and sharing the gospel. And God, I know for some of them, they'll want to come and just affirm that commitment by sharing with one of the staff that will be down here that they are going to do this. God, help us to make those decisions we need to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you need to come and experience Christ or you need to be transformed, we invite you to come. If you want to come and join this church, you come right now. If you want to come and affirm the fact that you're going to share the gospel, we invite you to come right now.